Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And it reads, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself, alive after suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days of speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Thank you. When again, welcome our visitors. You're our honored guest. Glad that you're with us this morning. Hope that you'll stick around and let's talk to you. And I pray that this message be very edifying to you. I love this statement from Acts chapter 1. All that Jesus began. Now think about that when you read Acts chapter 1, 1 through 3, and we're going to take a closer look at it this morning. All that Jesus began. What does that mean and what's the significance of it? So we want to ask the question this morning, when are we done with God's mission for us? Some people get to a certain part in their life and say, I've graduated, I've retired, I'm done. They get to a certain point where I've, I've saved as many people as I can, and most people in my family are Christians, and all the ones that are not Christians, I've shared the gospel with them, I'm done. I want to encourage you as we look at what Christ did, that his life that we read about in the Gospel of Luke, so many wonderful things, he began his mission there. And it's amazing to me as I read Acts chapter 1, I see that Jesus has lived his life and he's gone through the ministry, has proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. He has died, he's been buried, and he's been resurrected. And when he has been raised, for 40 days, he teaches his disciples and he instructs them about the kingdom of God. And then he ascends into heaven to sit there at the right hand of God. Is Christ done? Is he done with his mission and his work? That's the question we're going to ask this morning. And as we think about him, we think about us. Am I done? As a part of that work, and a part of that mission in which he has set out the Great Commission. So he asked the question also in another way. When Jesus declared it is finished, did it mean that his work was done? The answer to that is certainly not. He is still actively working and doing wonderful things. And we're going to look at that this morning. It should be an encouragement to us. Here's some passages that tell us about his mission, how he continues to do these wonderful things. In Matthew 16 and verse 18, Jesus declared, he says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus still had the mission of building his church, of establishing it, of seeing it increase, even though he was there at the right hand of God and he had sinned and been there. He is still working through his apostles and through his Christians and through his disciples then, and he's still doing it today. And it should be for us as Christians to not hinder ourselves and, and think, well, the apostles had direct revelation from God, and they had the ability to do miracles. Of course, crowds are going to follow them. They were able to preach the gospel in a time when people were hungry and thirsty for it, and now today a lot of people don't care that much. And so our job is essentially done. No, it's not. Christ has a mission, and he has not given up. He has not given up with us participating in it. When we think about how Christ is acting, I, I like how what, what Paul said in Romans chapter 15 and verse 18. This is what Paul said. He professed, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. He speaks of what Christ was doing through him. Today we need to have that same fervency and desire. And I hope that at the end of this study you have more confidence 
as a Christian, that I'm going to spread the gospel, I'm going to share the truth with others. No, no matter what the world is saying today, that the gospel is still needed. That there are still people out there who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. So as we look at this, I want to look a, bit, a little bit further at this, of what Christ is doing. How is Christ active in accomplishing his mission today? So this is where we come to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. I've been looking at this study for a while. A few months ago, Mary Rhodes and I were, were planning a study, wanting to have one in her house. And this is where we wanted to begin at. This is the lesson that I had planned for initially in her home. And that never came about. So this has a lot of even more sentimental value to me. As we look at this, how these words here, the very beginning of Acts, should encourage us. So Luke, he wrote his gospel, what Jesus began to do and to teach. In the very beginning of Acts, he, he references that writing, his gospel they had written before. And this is what he says. He says in the first book, what is that? The gospel of Luke. He says, O Theophilus. Now he addressed Theophilus before. He said, O excellent Theophilus. He addressed him as one who is uh, ranked in Roman society, probably a ruler in Roman society, but isn't called by name. He calls him Theophilus, which means one who loves God. In fact, you can see the Greek words there, thea and phylus, probably Greek words that some of us know. If you know the word like theology or theos means God and then phileo meaning love. And so he's addressing all Theophilus. I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach. That's what the gospel of Luke was about. All that Jesus began to do and to teach. But what more is he doing? He says, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he has chosen. Christ was launching something greater, something bigger, something that we as Christians need to stand in awe of. His mission, his gospel, the ability of the message of Christ and what he has done to change us, to compel us, to motivate us, to cause us to love others, to cause us to want our, the ones that we care about and love about to teach them the gospel because we want them to be saved. We want them to have eternal life. So why did Luke say began? Because there's more to the picture. There's more that Christ is doing through us. Jesus is not finished even though he's at the right hand of God. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 34, we begin to reach and read about how Christ is at the right hand of God, how he's in that place. But yet, we continue to read it in Acts as Peter is preaching that gospel message right there. 3,000 people come to repent and to believe and to be baptized. And it says then that who added them to the church? The Lord did. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41 and verse 47, it says the Lord added to them and continued to add them to them. It was Christ at work through them who was acting. Today as a Christian, I want to be able to have that same confidence to say, I can do what Christ has given me to do. He has not given me a mission that cannot be accomplished. God does not give us commands that we cannot do. And we can evangelize, and we can persuade others, and we can accomplish the mission of Christ. We should never, as Christians, come to the point where we say, well, I'm done. I'm retired. I'm finished. What was Christ's plan for his apostles? He tells them this. He gives them the Great Commission, and he gives it to them in commands. He gives us a number of scriptures. Almost every gospel you read of the Great Commission in some form. Go and speak and preach to all the creatures of the world. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. In Matthew, uh, you read about in John where Christ breathes upon them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit, and I want you to do this and to spread the gospel. And then in Luke, he says, I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to proclaim repentance 
repentance and forgiveness of sins. I want you to wait there at Jerusalem when the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And he gives them that strength. I'm afraid sometimes as Christians we become discouraged. I wish I had that. I wish I was there. I could have been a part of that direct thing. You've got to realize when the church began, yes, the apostles had the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on them. They were able to pass on individual gifts to other people. But that gift would cease. It would come to its end and its fruition to its ultimate goal and bringing us God's word, the written form in its completeness as we have in the scriptures. We need to thank God for that and see how powerful a message we have. A Bible that has influenced and changed the world. It's because of this book here and the text and the preaching that it is in it, the world has changed. The libraries exist today. The universities exist today. Schools exist today. Hospitals exist today because of Christians influenced by God's Word. And we as a church still have the same message to proclaim. So don't be discouraged and set yourself apart from these in the first century. I want to look at the blessings we have that are similar and like to theirs. In fact, in some ways greater. Or at least more complete. In Luke 24, this is what Jesus says to his disciples. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. What do the apostles have to accomplish their mission that we don't have today? Yes, they had miracles, but we have effects of miracles we can see today. And what I mean by that is, is when we look around at creation, you've got to ask, all this had a beginning, where did it come from? We still have the witnesses and the records that Jesus rose from the dead, and various people, hundreds of them, saw him risen from the dead. Why would they proclaim that? We have the effects of miracles. We have God's Word, written over 1,600 years by 40 different writers, and a complete message, a miracle in itself. It makes prophetic predictions of the Messiah and the destruction of certain nations. It continues to make predictions. Jesus himself predicted that Jerusalem be destroyed. In fact, even the critics of the Bible say Jesus predicted that. We have the effects of miracles. We have the evidence and the proofs that are still around. And you remember that. We're going to look at that in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, where Jesus has given the apostles proofs to affirm the faith. So what do we have that they didn't have? No, we don't have the direct voice of the Holy Spirit and guidance to be able to write Scripture. No, we can't do miracles, but we have wonderful things. We have these hopes and blessings, much like the apostles did. To spread the gospel. I want us to look at that for a moment now. When you look in Acts chapter 1 and you read there that Jesus gave commands to the apostles through the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? Well, Jesus commanded his apostles again to wait in Jerusalem. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit in John 20, 21 to 22. And in this process, God chose these various people, especially the apostles, to be witnesses of the resurrection over 500 of them, to see that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, to eat with him, to feel the scars in his hands, and to proclaim to others the truth. But you know what stands out to me? Is that Jesus had to rebuke his apostles when the women went to the tomb and found that it was empty and came to them and said, listen, the tomb is empty. Jesus came to them and he revealed himself to them and he said, listen, you've heard from these women and you've heard from others that the tomb is empty. Some of them have seen angels. Some of them have seen Jesus Christ. And he rebuked them for not believing the message. Why is Jesus rebuking them for not believing the message? They hadn't seen him risen. It was this. 
That was the message that the apostles, that was the mission that the apostles were going to take to the world. It was to proclaim that we are witnesses, even though some people would not see Jesus risen. Many people did not see him risen, but that the message they were proclaiming, they were expecting other people to believe. We're going to look a little bit closer at that in a moment. But listen here in Acts chapter 10 and verse 41, as Peter recalls this, he says about Jesus, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. They took that mission in a very strong fashion. They took it as a command. Here we have it in Acts chapter 1, a few verses down, a reflection on the Great Commission. Jesus revealed, Acts 1 and verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And that's what the apostles did. They had that mission to take the gospel to all the world, that mission that they stand on to us and give to us. They started as witnesses from Jerusalem, spread out through Judea. They went to Samaria, they went up the coast, and they spread out throughout the world from the apostle Paul on his missionary journeys. All truth came through the apostles and the prophets by the Holy Spirit. All of it. I think it's a strange thing today that many will say that I'm getting more truth or they think they have greater revelation or another book to add to the Bible. When Jesus said to his apostles, you're going to receive all truth from the Holy Spirit right now in the first century. And for someone to come along and say, I got a little bit more truth to add on to all of it. There's something wrong. The truth is what the apostles and the prophets have given to us has made them the foundation of the church. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22 tells us that. And here we have those scriptures, all truth. We have the complete message. It should give us strength. I want to emphasize this before we look at the blessings that God gives us today as evangelists and disciples of Christ. Do Christians have many proofs of their faith in Jesus Christ? Some today will tell us, well, you have no proof. You're just simply believing by faith. What did Jesus say? What did he do? Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, Christ gave many proofs to the apostles. He presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. That was the proof, to be witnesses, to see Jesus Christ. And we've got to ask the same question today. When you have 500 people Various groups of people saying, we've seen Jesus risen from the dead. You have their account and four different records in the gospel written down for you to cross-examine. When do you come to the conclusion that this is historical fact? The Bible already tells us. It says by two or three witnesses, if their accounts hold up, they are true. But Christ has given proofs. He gave it to the first Christians and he gave it to us. What were those proofs? Again, Here are the three things. I'm going to point this out because you see this in Acts chapter 2 and you see it in Acts chapter 13. The same gospel message, the same preaching, the same evidence from the very beginning, the same demonstration of our faith. Here it is. The evidence was of the empty tomb and the reports confirming. You've got an empty tomb. Even in Matthew 28, you have hostile sources saying, yes, the tomb is empty, But our soldiers say something else, which means what? There was a tomb and there were soldiers. There was a guard. It is confirmed. And Jesus expects us to believe on that. In fact, when Peter Peter preaches in Acts 2, he says, we know where David's body is. We don't know where Christ is. The tomb is empty. What do you do with that? Did the enemies take it? No, they they would have shown the body. Did the disciples take it? No, they would not have died for a lie. What happened? 
Then you have this. Jesus emphasized the predictive prophecies, predictions of Jesus. Brother Dutch this morning read from Isaiah 53, one of the great predictions of Jesus Christ. Psalm 22 as well. Numerous scriptures, Psalm 110, tell us and predict Jesus. And in fact, Psalm 16 and verse 10 says that Jesus would rise from the dead. Jesus expected his disciples to believe that on that evidence and to proclaim it to others. And then lastly, just the witnesses, the witnesses who were there, touched Jesus' scars, who saw him, who ate with him. What do you do with that? Again, we can proclaim the same proofs today. This is what has been given to us. And then lastly, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, as Jesus is alive for 40 days, he preaches the kingdom. He talks about the church. He talks about how he's the ruler and the king and what he's establishing, even though it seems to kind of miss the disciples, they keep asking him, when are you going to establish your kingdom? They miss the fact that it's a spiritual kingdom. But as witnesses of Christ, the apostles serve to spread the kingdom. And again, they are the foundation to the church. So what blessings do we have today as Christians that the apostles have? This is what we have. Number one, the main point this morning, Christ is still working. He's still working through us. And we can't give up. I know we have loved ones who have those around us who don't believe the gospel is not affecting, who have not rebelled and turned against sin and put an end to it. The truth is Christ is still working. He still loves us. The Spirit revealed the gospel, and now it's in its written form and its completion. We're blessed to have all truth. We don't have to have the direct revelation. We can read it, we can study it, we can present it to others. Number three, Jesus gave commands from the Holy Spirit to the apostles, and again, that's what we have in the Bible, and we still have those commands to us. We still have the indwelling of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit strengthening us within Ephesians 3 and verse 16. Number four, many proofs of Jesus' resurrection. We still have prophecies and eyewitnesses, and we don't need to be ashamed of professing that I believe in Jesus Christ and that he rose from the dead. And we have Christ's message of the kingdom. We have Luke, we have Acts, we have the Scriptures to proclaim Let's do that. We are still blessed. Jesus is still working. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I encourage you. We are not lacking. We are not lacking in the truth. We're not lacking in the work of Christ. We're not lacking in a, in a gospel that will convict others to obey the truth. If you ever sat down in a Bible study and you've shown someone the gospel and you've seen someone react to it and they eventually will be baptized, you can see it in their eyes when they hear Jesus died for me, he's buried, and he rose again to give me hope of eternal life. I hope it still affects you. The Church of Christ is not liking Christ's work, the Spirit's revelation, many proofs, and certainly not the gospel of the kingdom. I encourage you this morning. In Acts chapter 2, after hearing this same message and the gospel presented, and the proofs that we've seen this morning, 3,000 became Christians. In fact, they were cut to the heart to hear that they had crucified Jesus and that he agreed with it. And they come to Peter, and this is what happens in Acts chapter 2. Peter pleads with them. He says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And now when they heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And you know the next verse, Acts 2.38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This morning, if you need to obey the gospel, you hear the truth, you hear it, you want to obey it, 
and you love Christ and you're willing to confess that Jesus rose from the dead, and that drives you to repent, you can be baptized this morning. This morning, if you need prayers, we want to pray with you, we want to encourage you, we encourage you to come right now while we stand and while we sing. Please come.